Revelation chapter 1 and Psalm number 90. Revelation 1 and Psalm number 90. We began last Sunday morning a study of all the names in the Bible given to or by which our Lord Jesus Christ is known. We saw him last Sunday as our advocate. We saw him on Thursday night as the Almighty. Last Sunday night, he was Adam. Not the first Adam, but the last Adam. The Lord has blessed our hearts in these three studies up to now. This morning, the Bible says in Revelation 1, Revelation chapter 1, and verse number, well, let's read verse, starting at verse 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you in peace from him which is, and which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before the throne, from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us. Thank you, Lord. And washed us from our sins in His own blood. Thank you, Lord. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. Thank you, Lord. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Be from the north. Amen. That's how you can tell. <laughs> Get singing that song, uh, uh, 45, Revive Us Again. And half the congregation sing, uh, Hallelujah, thine the glory. Uh, hallelujah, amen. And then they have to sing, hallelujah, amen. It just depends on where they're from. If they're from places where people drink pop or soda. You just That's how you can tell. All right, yeah, thank you. All right, verse number seven. And behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him even so. Amen, amen. Just don't want to leave anybody out. I am. Alpha, see the capital A, and Omega, capital O, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Now, with your finger right there in Revelation 1, Revelation 22. Revelation 22, we get to the very end of this same book, in fact, the very end of God's book, Revelation 22, verse number 12. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Psalm 90, Psalm 90. One more introductory verse, Psalm number 90 and verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Our Father in heaven, help us this morning to comprehend just some small portion of your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. The letters of the Greek alphabet have names. The first letter in their alphabet is called alpha. Get it? Alpha. What would the second letter be? Bet. Alpha, beta. It's the alphabet. It's the letters. 
And the last letter, you get all the way to the end, it's not Z. Uh, they couldn't think of as many as we could. They, theirs ends with Omega, the first letter of their alphabet, the last letter of their alphabet, Alpha and Omega. Therefore, every word that could be made, every thought that could be expressed, every tale that could be told starts with the Alpha and ends with the Omega. And yet there is one who bears these designations as his very names and titles. That one is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Alpha and declares himself to be the beginning. He is the Omega and declares himself to be the end. Psalm 90 says, From everlasting, before there were months, days, weeks, years, minutes, and seconds, before there were heavens and earth, before there were stars and planets, before there were men and animals and fish and trees and birds, there was a God. That God was mighty. That God was the beginning. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. One day, there will be a declaration made. Time shall be no more. The sun shall cease its shining. The moon shall not give her light. The elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The present heavens and, he and present earth will vanish and disappear. The former things will never come into mind. And yet that God will still be God. The Alpha is the Omega. The beginning is the ending. He is the God who was and is and shall be. There have been many imposters, been many competitors rise up between the beginning and the end, between one everlasting and the other. But when the dust is settled and all the dust is cleared away, there will be but one God, and we will all call His name Jesus. And before Him every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And you'll not be able to confess any other God. You'll not even recall their names. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is the beginning. And Jesus Christ is the ending. He's the beginning of life. And there is no life without Him. And when your life comes to a close, if you know Him, your life on this earth might end. But your life is everlasting life because the one who is your life is the everlasting God from beginning to end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. If you want life, you'll have to get it from Him. It starts with Him. If you want love, it begins and ends with Jesus Christ. There's no, there's, no, there's no such thing as love to be found in a country song. There's no love to be found in a rock and roll radio station. There's no love to be found in a romance novel or a movie star magazine. Love begins with Jesus Christ. And love ends with Jesus Christ. And whatever you're calling love ain't love if Jesus isn't in the middle of it. Jesus will teach you to love your children. He'll teach you to love your parents. He'll teach you to love your husband. He'll teach you to love your wife. He'll teach you to love your brothers and your sisters. He'll teach you to love your neighbors yourself. And until you know Jesus, it's just a life of unfulfilled selfishness. It's just a life pursuing covetousness. But love begins with Jesus and love ends with Jesus. He's the Alpha and the Omega. All hope begins and ends with Jesus Christ. The day you meet Jesus Christ is the day you have real hope, lasting hope, eternal hope, 
unending hope. And without Jesus Christ, there is no hope. There'll be some change, but there won't be any hope with it. Men can offer hope that lasts for a month or two. Men can offer hope that lasts until they can't fulfill their promises. Men will offer hope until you found out they were just conning you and wanted your money. Women will offer hope until the next one comes along. I'm telling you, this world is hopeless without Jesus Christ. And once you meet the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll never be without hope. He's hope from everlasting to everlasting. He's the Alpha of hope. He's the Omega of hope. And whatever rises and falls in between, it'll never rob you of your hope that you have in God. The Bible says as an anchor of your soul. The tide rises and falls. The storms come and the storms go. The hurricanes and the typhoons and the cyclones pass over the decks of this old ship. But our anchor holds. We've got a hope for our souls in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Alpha and Omega of truth. All truth begins with Him. And all truth ends with Him. And you wanna, if you want to call yourself a, a, a preacher of truth or a speaker of truth or a teacher of truth or a follower of truth, if your path doesn't include the Lord Jesus Christ as its entry point, and if your path doesn't include the Lord Jesus Christ as its end point, you don't have truth, you have delusion. You don't have truth, you have opinion. You don't have truth, you have what somebody said. You don't have truth, you have fable. You don't have truth, you have fairy tale. Jesus Christ is the truth. From beginning to ending. There's not one statement in this Bible from Genesis to Revelation regarding the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, their motions, their seasons that has ever been disproved by science. There's not one word in this Bible about sowing, planting, watering, reaping, harvesting. There's not one word in this Bible about how to winnow grain, how to beat grain into flour, how to preserve grain, how to bake bread, how to live by bread that's ever been disproved by science. Why the book of Ecclesiastes tells you of a system of evaporation and rainfall and evaporation and rainfall thousands of years before man ever got around to sending balloons up in the air to examine such things. The Bible tells you in a book written a thousand years before Christ, there are pathways in the seas. And if you travel north up the Gulf Stream and loop around Europe and shoot back down toward the Caribbean, you can make it all the way around the oceans. And if you try to go the other way, you just just going to sit there until you run out of food in the Bermuda Triangle. That's in the Bible. The Bible says the earth hangs upon nothing. The Bible says the earth is round. The Bible says the sun shines and the moon does not. The moon just reflects the light of the sun. How come fishermen and tent makers and shepherds and soldiers knew those things thousands of years before science caught up? I'll tell you why. Because truth begins with Jesus Christ. And truth ends with Jesus Christ. That Bible tells you in the book of Leviticus, 2,000 years before Christ, if you don't wash your hands and run in water, you're going to get diseases. You go off to school and they say, well, you know, during the Civil War, this nurse figured out that if you wash your hands in clean water, you don't spread disease. Too bad nobody read a Bible before then. Jesus Christ is the truth. He told you not to kill, not some politically appointed commission. He told you not commit adultery. Uh, that's, uh, that, listen, all that stuff's in the Bible. The truth begins with Jesus. The truth ends with Jesus. You want to be right? Line up with the Bible. You want to go the right way? Follow Jesus. 
He's the Alpha and Omega of truth. He's the Alpha and Omega of joy. Praise the Lord. Hey, you know, that back in 1976, boy, that's a long time ago. Flat shoes on women, high heels on men, that's a long time ago. Long straight hair on everybody could make it work, that's a long time ago. Flowery shirts on men and plain shirts on women, long time ago. Been around a while. I got saved in 1976, and I found joy in Jesus Christ. Since that time, one former friend or another, one church-attending friend after another, I've watched them say no to Jesus for the joy that was found in alcohol, and their joy played out. Say no to Jesus for the joy that was found in dope, and their joy played out. Say no to Jesus for the joy that was found in a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and their joy played out. Say no to Jesus for the joy that was found in chasing money, and their joy played out. And I'm telling you, nobody that has walked with Jesus ever said the joy played out. The joy faded. The joy went away. He's the alpha of real joy. He's the omega of real joy. Why are you looking for happiness? Why are you looking for gladness in places where nobody's ever found it for more than an hour? Where nobody's ever found it for more than a swift passing season? Why don't you get locked into the one that knows all about joy from everlasting to everlasting? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Man, I've seen all kind of, well, I don't want that church stuff anymore. Yeah, go see them this morning. The beach they thought they'd enjoy more than church didn't do it for them. And the ball games they thought they'd enjoy more than church didn't do it for them. And the books and magazines they thought they'd enjoy more than the Bible didn't do it for them. And the girlfriend and the boyfriend they ran off with that they thought they'd enjoy more than Jesus didn't do it for them. And here we are still singing God's praise, still enjoying His fellowship, still rejoicing in our salvation. He's the Alpha and Omega. Of joy. You want joy, you get it from Jesus. How about peace? How about look, I'll tell you what we need to do. Let's let's spend some money and let's burn up some carbon and let's uh, bust a hole in the ozone layer. Why don't we fly some people to the Middle East and have a peace talk? How about that? Maybe we can have a peace talk about Afghanistan, or maybe we can have a peace talk about Syria, or maybe we can have a peace talk about Lebanon, or maybe we can have a peace talk about Palestinians. Why don't we have some more peace talks? I'll tell you why. Because the last 1.5 million have been a total waste of time. You're not going to talk peace until you get Jesus in the conversation. You're not going to have peace on earth without Jesus. You're not going to have peace in your living room without Jesus. And you're not going to have peace in your heart without Jesus. He's the alpha of peace. He's the omega of peace. And all that stuff you're trying to get to sleep with. And all that stuff you're trying to get up in the morning with. And all that stuff you're trying to get through the day with. It'll never do for you what Jesus Christ the Lord can do for you. He'll bring you peace with your neighbor. He'll bring you peace with your conscience. He'll bring you peace with your God. It all comes from Him. He's the Alpha and Omega of peace. I'm just, I'm just putting a dent in this list. It's a long list. Everything starts and ends with Jesus. It all does. He's the Alpha and Omega of victory. He's the Alpha and Omega of power. He's the Alpha and Omega of abundance. He's the Alpha and Omega of wisdom. He's the Alpha and Omega of mercy. Of mercy. 
Go ahead and get one if you want to. Read the, read the Vedas. Read the Koran. Read the decrees of, of the uh, church, uh, the, the Protestant churches. Read the decrees of the church at Rome. You won't find any mercy in there. You'll find if you don't do this, you're excommunicated. If you don't do that, you're torched. If you don't do that, you're, you're stoned to death. If you don't do that, we'll throw you in the river. You know what the Bible says? God is a God of grace and mercy. While we were yet sinners, He commended His love toward us. He loves us with an everlasting love. Hallelujah. By grace are you saved and not of your works. It's the gift of God, a merciful God. Not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to His mercies, He saved us. You'll not find mercy in a sacrament. You'll not find mercy in a membership. You'll not find mercy in a religion of rules and regulations. You want mercy, it starts with Jesus and it ends with Jesus. He's the Alpha and Omega of mercy. He's the Alpha and Omega of kindness. Let's go back to the very start. There's a man in that garden. That's how it happened. Darwin wasn't there, so what does he know about it? There's a man in that garden. There's a woman in that garden. And they were men and women. They weren't tree climbing apes. They weren't little toads hopping out of the pond to, uh, to you know, uh, Used to be tadpoles, now they're toads. They weren't mud bubbles evolving into college professors. There's a man there and a woman there. Full grown, God made them. Breathe in their nostrils of breath of life. You say, I don't believe that. Well, I'm sorry. Turn off a cartoon network and get you a Bible. Amen. Well, I'm, I'm college educated. So am I. But I didn't throw God out when I got my diploma. So there's a man that gardeners, a woman that garden. God said, this mean, awful God said, you can have every single thing on this earth to enjoy, just don't eat that one fruit off that one tree. Well, that's not fair. God is so mean. And that's our rebel speaking, isn't it? You can have every toy in the nursery, but the little truck that the other kids got, guess which one you want? There's two baskets of toys and three shelves full of toys. And there's three boys back there right now fighting over one tractor. <laughs> That's right. So that man goes, God said, they eat thereof, you shall surely die. And the woman ate that fruit and the man ate that fruit and God showed up and they went and hid in the bushes. You know why? Because God said, you're going to die. And the God, the God of love and mercy shed the blood of an innocent victim that day and made a covering for that man and that woman and they walked out of that garden alive because God provided them a sacrifice and a substitute because He is a God of wrath and He is a God of judgment but He is the Alpha and Omega of love. He's the Alpha and Omega of mercy. He's the Alpha and Omega of kindness. He's the Alpha and Omega of grace. Give up your religion and get Jesus. He's what you've been looking for. He's the Alpha and Omega of loyalty. Amen. If He ever made you His child, you're always His child. If He ever saved your soul, you're always saved. Why? Because He's loyal. He's the Alpha and Omega of loyalty. Now, let's look at some verses in the Bible. Uh, come with me to Malachi. That's the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter number 3. Malachi 3. If you've been a Baptist all your life, your Bible just fall open to that chapter. 
But we're not going to read verse 10 because you already know about tithing. Malachi 3, verse number 6. For I, now watch this, Malachi 3, 6. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Hallelujah. I, you know, growing up, I, I guarantee you, my children, your children, everyone who's had children, you know, if they, if they ever got with their friends and wrote out a list of complaints about dad... You want know number one be on that list? He's not consistent. You know what they'd say about mom? She's not consistent. One day you do something, get away with it. The next day you do something, and it's a capital offense. Depends on dad's mood. One day you, something, mom lets something slide. The next day you're grounded. Just how we are as people. Husbands, wives, we're not the same every day. Well, that was bold. Your friends aren't the same every day. Your church members aren't the same every day. Your pastor's not the same every day. Brother Chris praying this morning, God, please let him preach good this time. You know what you said? Let him be coherent today. Let, him, let it make sense for a change. Is it? He just parked there. I mean, it's good to hear a man pour out his heart to God, but... Listen, every one of us is changeable. Good mood one day, grumpy the next. Happy one day, sad the next. Many people say, well, I'm bipolar. Who isn't? I never met anybody who wasn't, wasn't a yo-yo, man. They're up, they're down, they're around, they're around. But, but you know what God said? You read Genesis 1, that's not who I was, that's who I am, that's who I will be. You read Exodus 12, that's not who I was, that's who I am, that's who I will be. You read the book of Psalms, that's not who I was, that's who I am, that's who I will be. You see my son dying on the cross for your sins, that's who I was, that's who I am, that's who I will be. You can trust God because He is what He is all the way through. He's not the I'm trying that I'm trying. He's not the I'm going to be that I'm going to be. He's not the I was that I was. He said, I am that I am. What he was in the beginning, he'll be in the end. That's why you can trust him. I am the Lord thy God. I change not. Look in uh, James chapter number 1, back in your New Testament. Book of James chapter number 1. Aren't you glad God doesn't keep moving around on you? One day he's this, the next day he's that. One day he wants this from somebody, the next day he wants that from somebody. Uh, you got to figure out which of the 20 different ways of salvation you got to go by in the Bible. God doesn't change. In the garden, he made a covering for that man. All the man had to do was receive it. At Calvary, he made a covering for the man. All the man has to do to receive it. God doesn't change. James chapter 1, verse number 17. Watch this. Every good gift. And every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Now what I'm about to say is not political, because though I'd like to be president, it would be the shortest term in office of any president in our history. 
I'd try to get everything done the first 48 hours knowing that I wouldn't last beyond that. But your president, like other presidents, has to react to a thousand different situations every day with partial, incomplete, or prejudiced information. And he's asked to respond instantly to situation after situation after situation that the, the proper thing to do would be to say, I don't know. But you can't go out as president and say, I don't know, because you've got to keep up this facade that you know everything. It doesn't matter which president it is. I'd like to see a guy get out there with his press secretary and say, what do I know about agriculture? I've never grown a garden. What do I know about oil production? I've never seen a well. What do I know about what's going on in Syria? I just got some reports from people that are trying to manipulate the thing one way or the other. I don't know, but here's what they do. They go out on Monday and say, This is what we're going to do tomorrow. And then tomorrow they go out and say, Well, this is what we're going to do today. And then they go out on Wednesday and say, uh, based upon additional information that has come in, we're going to... You can get mad at the guy if you want to. I feel sorry for him. God, listen, God has never stated a position and then gotten some information he didn't know about that forced him to change his position. God has never stated something in his Bible and then found out some of his advisors were misleading him. God never thought there were or weren't or are or aren't chemical weapons when there weren't or mass weapons of mass destruction. when the God's never said, oh no, how are we going to spin this? We had bad information. He is the information. So when he makes a statement or gives a promise, he's not going to vary tomorrow. He's not going to waver tomorrow. He's the one and only person you can trust. Because he's got all the information. And when he says... Thou shalt not commit adultery. He knew all about the guy or girl you were going to meet at work before he said it. He's not varying that. When he said, Thou shalt not steal, he knew all about your economy and the laws and what everybody else was doing. He had all the information before he made the statement. When he said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He knew all about the coming of Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and, and different religions and what you were going to do one day after you prayed the sinner's prayer. He knew all about that and what he said stands. It doesn't vary. It doesn't... Look, look, here's the picture. There's a sundial in the backyard. Remember that? No, nobody ever had a sundial in their backyard. Okay, who's seen a sundial in a museum? <laughs> who's ever been lost in the woods hiking with your family and wanted to pretend like you knew where you are? And you said, well, the shadow is falling this way. So, yeah, all that. Back in the olden days, you just put a stick in a yard and you could tell by which way the shadow fell what time of the day it was. It's waterproof, 
It's dustproof. Nobody tried to steal your stick. <laughs> they didn't break down. You didn't have to wind them. So what about when you change time zones? You just took your stick with you and put your stick in the ground. It's just... But when you put that stick in the ground at high noon, the shadows straight, right, right there, straight up, straight up. But then the sun begins to move, and what happens? The shadow moves. You know what the Bible says? God's right on. And He never moves. And the universe around Him never moves. Where God is, where God is, it's always the same time. He's sitting right out there in eternity, and whatever happens, Republican, Democrat, American, Chinese, Korean, fluctuation of the dollar, fluctuation of the yen, bullets, missiles, bows, arrows, disappointments, nothing God ever promised moves or varies enough to cast a shadow. Praise God. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. He is who He was, and He was who He is, and He is who He will be. He never changes. You can trust God. You can't trust me like that. I can't trust you like that. But we can all trust God. Look in the Bible in Hebrews, right before James. Hebrews, chapter number 13. Hebrews 13. Verse number 5, Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. That might be the most disobeyed verse in the Bible. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. I don't want to bring up any sad memories or present distresses this morning. But in a room this size, half the people or more have had somebody say similar words. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, and they left. You can always count on me, and you couldn't. We've had them stand up in church, tears running down their face. I've been looking for a place like this for 3,400 years. And you're the greatest preacher I've ever known in my life. And I just love every one of you. And I just want you to know that everybody else might leave, but I'll never leave. He'll be gone in six months. (laughs) Even when we mean it, we can't do it. There's not a person standing here that knew what they were saying when they said, in sickness, in sickness, or in health, or in health, for better, for better, or for worse, or for worse. Yeah, you didn't know what you were talking about. You had no idea. It was always going to be like this. Come on, it took a week and all the money you had to get you to look like that. You're not going to look like that by the end of the day. We have the best of intentions, but we can't pull it off. But the Lord said, I'll never leave thee. I'll never forsake thee, verse 6, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man may do unto me. Remember them 
which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering that in conversation, Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, and today, and forever. He doesn't, as the saying goes, lose it. He doesn't slip up. He doesn't come short. Jesus will never disappoint you. Jesus will never fail you. Jesus will never, ever break a single promise that He ever made. I've broken some that I wanted to keep, but I bit off more than I could chew. I said, they, oh, I, I, I give you my word. I promise. Man, that's two words I threw out of my vocabulary a long time ago. I promise. You say, Lord willing, if I get up in the morning. Lord willing, if I can put one foot in front of another. Lord willing, if I don't get a better offer. <laughs> I'll try to be there for you. But I promise, come on. But there is one who can say, I promise. And you can stake your soul on it. Because he's the same yesterday and today and forever. Come to Numbers chapter 23. That's way back in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers chapter 23. I'm glad I've got a God that starts what nobody else could start. And I'm glad I've got a God who finishes everything he started. Numbers 23. Numbers 23, look at verse number 19. God is not a man that he should lie. Now, you know what what he just said? Everybody else will lie. Now, everybody doesn't set out to lie. But sooner or later, in a pinch, sooner or later... Getting caught in the wrong situation, seeing no way out. You can, you can pretty much count on it. It's not going to be the full truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. But see, here's the thing with God. He's never been caught in a pinch. He's never been caught in a bad spot he couldn't get out of. He's always been in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Not that he would lie, but he's never had to lie. He's never sinned and come short of His own glory. God is not a man that He should lie, neither the Son of Man that He should repent. Now look at this. Hath He said, and shall He not do it? Or hath He spoken, and shall He not make it good? There's only one being in all of this universe who can do everything He said He would do, and that's God. And He will. There's only one person who never overpledged Himself. There's only one person who never, who, ever promised, who never promised more than He could deliver. There's only one person who never signed His name to something and later regretted it. God said, What I purpose to do, I will do it. What I said I would bring to pass, I'll bring it to pass. You can trust me. Hallelujah. 
He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. Now, I'm going to tell you what my problem is. We talked about it Thursday night at great length when we considered God as being almighty. I'll tell you what my problem is. My failures or your failures so occupy my mind that I somehow think God's promises are going to ultimately fail. And they're not. When church doesn't go the way I thought it would, there's not a single promise of God that will fail. When family doesn't run the way I thought it would or hoped it would, not a single promise made by God will ever fail. When, when the health or the job or the finances or whatever, listen, when, when life does what life does, I get so occupied with the upheavals and the, and the temporary confusion that comes from what people do to people. That I lose my confidence and I think God was my alpha, but how will the omega turn out? God was my beginning, but how is this going to end? It will end as it began. With God's love and God's life and God's hope and God's truth and God's joy and God's peace. Listen, God won't fail. I will fail Him. You will fail me and I will fail you. And those we love the most will hurt us the most because everybody's a disappointment on some level at some time. But not God. The one who is holy in his alpha is holy in his omega. The one who is righteous in his alpha is righteous in his omega. The one who did right from the beginning will do right all the way to the end. We just need to quit trusting man and put more trust in God. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 14. Let's take one more stop in our Bible this morning. Luke chapter number 14. Jesus Christ is the Alpha and the Omega. From everlasting to everlasting, He is God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's no variableness with Him. He does not change. He gives a warning here to those who would follow Him. The Bible says in Luke 14, verse number 28, Which of you? Intending to build a tower in Altamont Springs along I-4. <laughs> sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient viewers to finish it. <laughs> Look at the Lord said. Before you build something, take a thorough examination of yourself, of your abilities, of your resources, and make sure before you start that you can see it through. Why not? Verse, why? Verse 29. Lest happily, after he had laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. As a young Christian met a man at church and uh, he started spending a lot of time with me and teaching me the Bible and taking me out to do different things in the service of the Lord. And, and he lived at the, at the very end of, 
of Mission Road, which was very, very rural country property back in those days. Now it's, it's just eaten up part of New Smyrna, but it was real country then. And we'd ride down that road, and, and he'd be asking me to turn place in the Bible, and we'd be memorizing Scripture and talking about the Lord. And, and about halfway down Mission Road was, was block walls, windows, well, holes where windows would be, and holes where doors would be, no trusses, no roof, just, just four walls where a man began to build a house. And he would pull his El Camino, 64 black El Camino, pull it off the road, and, and he'd say, now look at that house. I'd look at it, and he'd say, that man intended to build a house, but he didn't finish it. And now everybody that rides up and down this road, it doesn't matter what else that man's done in his life, he's the man that started a house he couldn't finish. That thing sat there for years and years and years and years and years. I'd go by 10 years, 15 years after that, I'd be going to New Smyrna. I'd ride down Mission Road, look at that house. You know what Jesus said? You want to follow me? Really? You want to follow me? What if the trusses cost more than you thought they were going to? What if it's harder to find the right windows than you thought it was going to be? What if the styles change and all of a sudden your house isn't quite what you thought it was going to be? So you going to follow me? You know, this world is full of millions and millions and millions of people who set out to do something for God with the best of intentions. And now they're washed up. Out of church, out of the Bible, out of fellowship, out of the right way. You know that. You know that. Then he goes on to say this. Verse number 14, or I'm sorry, chapter 14, verse number 31. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 nukes to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000 nukes? That's the living Bible. You've got to update it so people can understand it. <laughs> it was so funny. Who can't understand any of what we read this morning? It's all understandable. You don't need a modern Bible. You just need to believe just need to believe the one you got. Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an embassage and desireth conditions of peace. He started a war and then found out he's going to lose, and now he wants to sue for terms. Well, terms aren't going to be very favorable once you've admitted I can't whip you. Verse 33, so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath cannot be my disciple. Now, here's here's what we want to. Talk about in our, in our lesson this morning. Jesus said, best of intentions, but you're probably not able to do everything you want to do, even for me. Best of desires, but there's probably some fights you're going to start and some battles you're going to wage, and, and you can't win them. But the one giving those instructions, he had the moral and spiritual authority to give those instructions because he counted the cost of building a universe before he started it. And he said, I can finish that. And he counted the cost of building his church before he started it. And he said, I can finish that. And he counted the cost of making you like his son, the Lord Jesus, by the time he finished with you. And he said, I can do that. 
And he is the Alpha who began these incredible building projects. And he is the Omega who will finish them. You know what he wrote beginning in Genesis chapter 3? He called one man after another and said, sit down, write this down for me. He said, I'm going to come in the world in the body of flesh. I'm going to be born in a manger in Bethlehem. I'm going to live without sin. I'm going to go to a cross and die. I'm going to pay for the sins of the whole world. I'm going to rise from the dead. I'm going to bruise the serpent's head. I'm going to establish myself as king of kings and lord of lords. I'm going to rule and reign forever. That's a big plan. He said, I'm going to defeat the world, the flesh, the devil, hell, and the grave. And he sat down in the cost and said, I can do that. And he came down here and did it. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's the beginning. He's the ending. He doesn't change. He doesn't fail. He doesn't get discouraged. He doesn't give up. He isn't overwhelmed. Everything he's ever been, he is today. And everything he is today, he always will be. Don't trust religion. Trust Jesus Christ. What a Savior. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. People say, everything changes, everybody changes, everything but God, everybody but Jesus. Heaven and earth shall pass away. God's word will not pass away. Our Father, we thank you.